Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of the Founding Four podcast. This will be a podcast focused on the NWHL, where myself, Mike Murphy, and Erica Ayala. Is that how we do your name? That's it. I never you got it. it. That's it. Wow. Perfect. Try. First try. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good start. Uh, where we'll really kind of do recaps of what's going on in the NWHL each week. And we feel like we can give a pretty unique perspective on things. I'm, of course, a big stats dork. Erica is on the front line with broadcasting with the whale, and she's been to more NWHL games than I think a lot of players have. So um, anything going on in the NWHL world, this will hopefully be a podcast stop for you, and uh, I'm ready to get started. You ready to go? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Mike, the NWHL is back. Um, we're excited. Already have the, the first weekend in the bag. Uh, so how about we just talk about a few things leading up to the season, and then we'll get into the games that each of us respectively were able to see live. That sounds good to me. I'm going to ask you, what do you think was the biggest off-season story? Ooh, well, uh, I will, in my very biased opinion, <laughs> say that I, I think the um, is actually the Twitter deal really piqued my interest. Um, so the NWHL will have a Twitter game of the week, very similar to something that the WNBA, uh, which is women's basketball, professional basketball league, was able to do. So that really piqued my interest. I know the NWHL has tried a few different things as far as being able to get the games out and get the broadcasts out to fans that are unable to attend for one reason or another. So that was something that was of interest to me. How about you, Mike? It's pretty tough. It's This offseason for women's hockey in general was just unbelievable. I mean, the CWHL expanded into China with two teams. Of course, there's centralization. Uh, in the NWHL, we mm-hmm. saw, I don't even know how many, like two, at least two logo rebrandings, right? And four new jerseys and everything else. So I think a big story was all the players who came out of retirement, the players who kind of changed their mind, um, and a lot of players who we thought we might never see in the professional game, like Erica Lawler. Um, Harrison Brown came out of retirement. Madison Packer came out of retirement. Uh, you know, it's Skeets came out of retirement and is up in the CWHL now. Of course, we also saw a lot of players kind of retire. It felt a little before their time, but it's for coaching opportunities like Kelly Stedman. So yeah. a lot of change in the faces in both leagues, but specifically the NWHL. It's a lot of new players to get used to, but from this first week of action, it's there's still plenty of talent in the league. That much was evident in both games, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think you mentioned with Olympic centralization, players going up to the CWHL and vice versa, which we'll talk about a little bit 
when we get to the Buttes whale game. Um, I I think it's just a really interesting time for women's hockey. Doesn't yeah. it feel that way? I, I just think that we even have players that have left both North American leagues, or e- either one or the other, I should say, and are playing uh, abroad. Yeah, Bolden. Such as Blake Bolden. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was a tough <laughs> one for me to swallow, but... Life goes yeah. on uh, and excited. How she's not on the national team and, continues uh, to boggle my mind. Well, you know, uh, how much time do we have for this podcast? <laughs> well, I've screwed up a lot of time. I don't know if you want to get into all that, but yeah, that's... Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the editing goes. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just think, um, I think it's a, it's a time with a lot of opportunity. I... I know that um, both leagues have raised a few eyebrows with some of the um, announcements or lack thereof for some of the things that we've already discussed, as well as um, some things that we will get into. I think overall, the leagues, um, and we're going to be talking about the NWHL, are really trying to, to make the best of what will be a season without Olympians but also a season where hopefully people will be not only focused on hockey, but women's ice hockey. So without further ado, let's get into good opening to me. weekend. Let's, well, let's start with, it was a big historic game uh, in case you missed it, but if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know all about it. It was the Riveters hosting the Boston Pride at the Prudential Center, which is the home rink of the New, the New Jersey Devils. Um, I was really excited to get to that game and talking to the players even before that regular season opener with the Riveters. And you were there with me at the the Riveters preseason game with Russia and the two games they had. And it was really once the, the moment that game with Russia was over, it was the only thing the players could think about. And it was a kind of similar feeling for the pride, which is, you know, everyone really was eager to see what Boston looked like without Brianna Decker, without Hillary Knight, you know, without Blake Bolden, without all these players. And it was really, I think, a great game. Definitely a game that had a lot of anticipation coming into it. And we saw a crowd of 2,100 strong of women's hockey fans, which... I would say it was at least 90% Riveters fans. The Pride fans still did a pretty good job showing up, but uh, it was great to see. And the Riveters weren't really that sharp early, which was a little bit reminiscent of how they kind of struggled early last season in the playoffs against Buffalo in a, in a big game with a lot of eyes on it. But they got into gear after Harrison Brown scored the first goal of the season. And the first NWHL goal in, in an NHL rink. And he's the first player to score a shorthanded goal in three straight seasons. So Brownie's kind of got a thing for making history. And he does a lot of it against Brittany Ott, which I'm sure is something they'll continue to talk about. But the Riveters forwards look small. They look quick. Uh, the forecheck looks really strong. Uh, I thought both Brittany Ott and Katie Fitzgerald were really, really good. I mean, Ott... I think a lot of the goals that the Riveters found came on rebounds and came on plays where there wasn't a lot Ott could do. And a lot of that, I feel, was tied to just a huge change in what that Boston Pride blue line looks like. There's there's just so much, you know, you can't really replace these sort of players the Pride lost. And 
Boston made a lot of moves to bring in kind of players with NWHL experience, like like Kalia Johnson, like Paige Harrington, um, bringing back Megan Mangin, but it was but she was playing forward. But she's one of those players who can play both. But uh, the pride just didn't really recover after that shorthanded goal in the first period. And at even strength, it just looks like the Riveters are a strong team. The pride did look really good on that power play. Um, they didn't get a lot of opportunities. I think they just had the two. I think Picard and Colzer had penalties. And uh, they moved the puck really well, Boston. And Haley Skrupa, who was... The last, like, no one knew what was happening with Skarupa really up until, up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, she's not with Connecticut and she's in Boston. And all of a sudden, Boston's entire lineup looks different. And she had 10 shots at the Prudential Center, but Fitzgerald was able to, to stop them all. She did pick up a, an assist on the Pride's only goal. But uh, on the whole, I think it was a really impressive game from the Riveters. They they found a way to put pressure on Ott. They found a way to to use Kelsey Colzer and get her involved in the offense and she picked mm-hmm. up her first NWHL point, which I'm sure you're you're excited about. And uh Oh yeah. Yeah, it it was a great great game. I think the standout players if I have to pick one from both teams because we said we would do that uh before the podcast. I think for the Pride, it has to be Skarupa. I mean, 10 shots, an assist. She's going to be that first-line star. I think before the season, I, I thought that Jillian Dempsey might have to be, you know, that player that kind of steps up and is supposed to spearhead the offense. But Haley Skarupa is just so good. I mean, she's another one of those players. It's a mystery how she's not on the U.S. women's national team. Um, mm. I thought she had a great game, and I thought for the Riveters... Alexa Grushow is, I don't know what to, like, last season, Russo was such a big story with the fastest skater, all of her assists, but Grushow came also kind of similarly out of nowhere. You know, like, she wasn't drafted, and she stepped up into this big role, and while Amanda Kessel was out, she was that first-line center, and, you know, Janine Weber and Kessel found chemistry later in the season, but... For most of the year, it was it was Alexa there, and she had a, a goal, an assist, and an amazing defensive play that I still can't get over. Yeah. <laughs> that, like as some someone yeah. who's who's tried to play defense in his life and has tried to make plays where oh, <laughs> there's nothing I can do, I just have to make a desperation play. She made an unbelievable play to just ruin Emily Fields' day. On a, <laughs> when she had a breakaway on a, on a Riveter's power play. And, you know, she got a little bit bloody from it. And, you know, talking to me after the game, she showed off her, her forearm where she got a pretty good scrape from the post. But, you know, Jeez. she just she's one of those players where you feel like she's going to have a huge year. And uh, obviously you can't really talk about that game without talking about Brownie. I mean, Harrison Brown coming out of retirement, is a great thing for the league and it's clearly a very good thing for the Riveters. So I was wondering what are you, what were your thoughts on the game? Cause I know you're, you've followed the Riveters closely and uh, you definitely yeah. should have some opinions on a four to one victory to start off the season. 
Yeah, I think it was um, it was a good game. I finally got to watch it. I was, you know, may or may not have been uh, eyeing the YouTube channel very closely to get <laughs> get the full video as I was in Connecticut, which we'll we'll talk about that game in a little bit. I I thought it was great. I think um, you know both you and I are, are with the Ice Garden and did those previews for the league. And my big takeaway for New York was whether they were going to be able to have a complete game. I think to some of your points, and I, you know, I defer to you since you were at the game, I don't think the Riveters started um, as strongly as they can. So that's a good sign. But I, I do, from what I was able to see, I do think that the Riveters um, were able to collect themselves at key points in the game. What I saw from Boston, which is very reminiscent of Boston Pride teams of years past is that they're very aggressive and yeah. they can keep possession of the puck and um, that is something that they were able to do even in that for one loss so this is a, a excuse me a Boston team that uh, it may have surprised some people that they dropped that first game I think myself included I had them at the top with just all of the forward the offensive power that they have um, but they haven't quite come together as a team yet I think overall you talked about Brownie's goal uh, that's Harrison just being very aggressive and and as he mentioned himself in the in between periods seeing a split second opportunity where the other team was kind of lagging it, I think it was uh, Skorupa actually who was there with Ott and I guess they got their wires crossed um, Skorupa's turning around Ott's shuffling the puck backwards and nobody picked up Brownie yeah. um, streaking in so I think it was a little bit surprising that from a from the pride perspective and maybe that's just the standard that the the first two seasons have set um season two we know that save that last regular season game and then eventually in the final they were literally unstoppable um so i'll be curious to see um how um i'd say more how than if the boston team comes together as far as the Riveters, I hope that they can maintain the cohesiveness that they showed at parts uh, throughout the game, that they keep building on those opportunities. You mentioned Kelsey Kohlsler. I thought she had a lot of good opportunities really getting involved in the yeah, offense. Yeah, that was great from, to see. From, yeah, from the blue line. I think um, you mentioned Alexa. I, she's been a player I've really enjoyed watching. Um, I think... You know, we, we see a lot of really great pieces and pieces that will be important moving forward. I thought Rebecca Morris had a good game, um, you know, so so we'll see. I think um, overall, final, final comments mm -hmm. is neither of these teams is completely done growing and they have not tapped out by any stretch of the imagination and it was still a really good game so that makes me excited to see these two teams go head to head again yeah, let me ask you this really quick i'm i'm kind mm -hmm. of of the opinion I, I feel like you might be but i want to make sure that <laughs> the pride's forward group is probably the best in the league but i feel like that is a little more open to interpretation and we got to see a little bit more what happens with i think particularly with Buffalo. I think that Buffalo group can mm. sneak up on us, but uh, we can get into that later. But 
Do you feel like mm. that the pride are there with the forwards and the riveters are there with the defense? Because the impression I got was you said it really well. The riveters, like Chad Wiseman, the riveters head coach, called a really, really clutch timeout when the riveters iced it. Mm-hmm. And Boston, like you said, just they just had the puck on a string. It was like yep. a minute and a half of them in the riveters zone, and they needed that timeout desperately. Yeah. And it was just, just yeah. what they needed. But that defense was still it just there's no weak link on that riveters defense it's so so deep i think i would overall agree with you on paper i do think that the boston pride forwards have the most skill um probably of a collective group of individuals if that makes sense (laughs) um and then also the same for the riveters on defense I think the Buffalo Buttes and the Connecticut Whale have a really the the success of those teams is going to be the team playing together. I don't know how much um, you're going to see individual standout performances like you have the capability of players on the Riveters and the Pride being able to do so. Um, And so I think that yes, the skill player for player probably goes on, Riveters on top defensively, the Boston Pride on top. Offensively, when it comes to uh, the team coming in ready to play together because of the little mini teams on the Buffalo Buttes, um, I think they're probably, they probably come in with the most chemistry, but I've been saying this for a while. I think the Whale have the most potential to grow. I think there's the most upside with the whale. I see them making adjustments very quickly. And I think while they are starting in a rough place, um, I think they'll, they'll do some catching up. That's a little unexpected again, if we're just looking on paper. So I kind of got hmm. into a few of my impressions of the, yeah. Uh, Buffalo. Jump into the, the game now. I yeah. want to hear your, your more of your takes on the game. Yeah. So the, the Buffalo Buttes um, took a three nothing lead into the third period. And then the whale were able to get two quick goals. Grace okay. Kleinbach. So a rookie Grace Kleinbach and Sam Faber were the goal scorers for the Connecticut Whale. I think it was about 10 seconds from one goal to the next. Um, And you go into this season knowing that the Connecticut Whale, they lose a lot and they come into this season as the second best uh, offense from season two, right behind the Boston Pride. They also though struggled a lot on defense. They gave up the most goals so really looking to see what they're going to do in net um, as well as on the defensive side and I was impressed I I think um, I mentioned kind of the the little mini systems that Buffalo has within their team that of course comes from some of the players coming from the then Brampton Thunder, they're now the Markham Thunder, of course. Um, and so you have some players from the CWHL that are coming over that are playing um, together and can play off of that. Um, and so we see Jess Jones coming over, Rebecca Vint, specifically those players I thought um, really made an impact on the ice and that was noticeable. And then you also have um, the Adrian College trio 
Um, and that's important when you have such a short off season, uh, when you only have two preseason games, you only have two practices a week, any advantage that you can have where you know where to anticipate where your teammate is going to be. And that's when you get into space to, um, to get good shots on goal and, and to take advantage of that. So I think Buffalo has that. Um, but as I mentioned, Connecticut, especially in that third period, showed that they can make adjustments on the fly, that they have a tenacity and a resilience. Speaking to players like Sam Faber, um, you know, speaking to players like Jordan Brickner, um, Joanna Barabu, who I think both of them had a really good game. This Whale team, for those that are returning, they seem to feel that the team is... Um, they're just communicating and they're 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 really um, they're they're buying in to what their coach and what their team is all about and and players seem to think that that differs from years past that there's a willingness not only to compete in practice and at games but also to correct and to be humble enough to take advice and take the corrections as they come trust in the coaches and their teammates but then also to execute. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. Um, we know mm. that the Connecticut team had a lot of up and down in that first season with their coaching and GM situation that translated yeah. in the second season due to the unfor- unfortunate circumstances league-wide with the salary cuts to players like Molly Angstrom leaving the team. And then in the offseason, we already mentioned they lose some key players. So to hear that this team that's very young, lots of rookies, the most turnover, if you will, that that they're really buying in, I think is is really good to hear. And that's why I kind of give them extra points um, for having and, and they're the team that I think has the most potential to to um, to make big adjustments and big improvements in a short period of time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I definitely didn't think about it in those terms before the season began. The way I looked at it was just, you know, just Kelly Babstock is back and <laughs> Brickner's back on on the blue line. Right. Then it's, oh boy, like there's so many question marks here for Connecticut. But I think they're the team with the least amount of pressure on them. Mm. Like they have, there's low expectations, but that doesn't mean that's what they expect of themselves. I think... Like you said, for a team that can kind of figure out who they are as a group and and grow and develop together, if they can play a strong team game, and I think a big, big point here was, I mean, we've had plenty of rookie debuts, obviously, Mm -hmm. but Sydney Rossman for the Whales, she stopped 34 shots on 37 shots on goals. I mean a 9.20 save percentage in her debut against the defending Isabel Cup yes. champions and goaltending has been a huge issue yes. in Connecticut and I mean the, I don't know what more if you're a whale fan like <laughs> that's all you need to see that's an amazing performance and like you said the <laughs> I mean it says a lot about a team to to get you know they're down three nothing, and then ten seconds, bang bang, they're right back in the game. Right. No one expected that. The Buttes sure, certainly didn't expect it. So, and that the other th- point you raised that I didn't even think of is like to hold Buffalo and a Buttes power play with Sarah Edney and Rebecca Vint and Jess Jones to one for eight on the power play. Mm-hmm. That's that's massive. I mean, it's a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I think the players, of course, they, they want to win. There's no mistaking that. But I think from coach Ryan Equali to, again, some of the veterans, they also know that in order to win consistently, they have to win at small things, such as being able to uh, rally in the third period. Um, you know, as, as um, Grace uh, and uh, Sam Faber, the goal scorers, were we're talking post game. That's when you're most tired. That's when your your legs go. They they give up that third goal in the third period and still come back. So you know, some people might call them moral victories. I think it's just staying focused and playing a good mental game. I think we saw that Connecticut was able to do that. Didn't get any um, post game availability from the uh, Buffalo Buttes, but um, I think. Eric Wolschlager put it, you know, that that was a solid game from the defending champions. I think they put the, the league on notice that they are ready to defend the crown, as they say. Um, but it also showed that in this league, uh, you know, if, if you give the other team any opportunity, you know, it can make a difference in the game, as it almost did uh, for the full comeback for Connecticut. Yeah, you, you just can't afford to underestimate anyone. Um, right. I thought Buffalo looked really strong, especially there was no Courtney Kunichika, and that's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a big hole in the lineup. But you know, it, it's it's one of those things where there's so much like anticipation of Jess Jones, and you know, her first game she doesn't get a point, and so it's like, oh, you know, what the heck? She, you know, she, she tied the scoring lead in the CWHL last right. season with with Mary Philippe Poulin, but. But, you know, Jones had five shots, and I thought she looked really good. Mm-hmm. Don't The other thing, it's, it's you said it so well, like these kind of mini teams that are on the Buttes that, you know, there's there's a lot of these little, like, a lot of the like the holdovers from last season know each other. There's the Adrian mm-hmm. connection. There's the CWHL imports. So there's yeah. all this, there's all these, like, these little, like, they're not necessarily, like, social clicks, but there's all these little clicks, and at some point, they're all going to kind of mm-hmm. merge together, and when that happens, Buffalo is going to be even scarier, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah. On the whole, I think the most surprising team of this of this first week has to be Connecticut. I I know they lost. Uh, I know they got outshot, but I mean, if if this is if we see more of this from Sydney Rossman, and if mm-hmm. we see more of the Wales rookies like, you know. Grace Kleinbach, and we, we get to see more contributions from players who, you know, we frankly, we just don't know enough about. And if they can perform and produce, then it's going to be really surprising. I, you know, I think the best surprise team was the Well, I think the team that maybe didn't live up to expectation was Boston, but mm. I, I really do agree what you, with what you said earlier about, you know, Boston at times, they, they just own the puck. And yeah. for it's just you know Katie Fitzgerald. Yeah. Since we're talking goaltenders, she was just outstanding. And yeah. I when she can take she can take away just the bottom half of the net. She's five foot ten. She does a great job getting in the butterfly position and just getting those long legs out. And the pride tried I don't even know how many stuffing attempts around the net, and her pad was just always there. And the Riveters did a great job of tying up sticks and getting the rebounds out of there. And uh, uh, 
you know, she was very quick to say that her defense was great after the game, but you know, it took Boston 31 shots. They only got one past her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's it's just unreal. It's she's right back in that goaltender of the year form. And in terms of great stories in women's hockey, can is there a better story than Katie Fitzgerald who just came out of nowhere? Uh, no one knew what to expect from her. All of a sudden, she's the Riveters' starting goaltender. And she takes the league by storm, and here she is. She looks like she's going to do it again. Uh, but And the other big story this weekend is, I mean, what happens if Boston goes 0-2? What happens if they lose to the Whale? Do you think that Ooh. can happen? Um, I mean, anything could happen, right? It could happen. Sure, it could happen. Um, yeah, that's why we play the game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think it could happen. I, I'm not expecting it to happen, and uh, for me, this is why. The Connecticut Whale is a team that's still growing. I think that as well as they did to kind of hang in there uh, defensively, I don't think that we saw, we've seen enough yet from Connecticut on how they're going to um, create on offense. Um, and Phil and I were, a good you point. Know, Phil yeah. and I were on the broadcast talking about leading into that third period that's where you need players like kelly babstock to really step up but the here's the thing about kelly babstock is that although she might have gotten a little more attention last season and will certainly get a lot of attention this season she's she's always been the type of player that's been that has put her team on her back um but i i i don't know if she'll be able to do that when she's at least for right now, the main target um, for the other team as far as who to shut down. And that's something that we didn't talk about when we talked about the Buffalo Buttes. They were swarming the the Connecticut whale, but particularly Kelly Babstock. She was still able to, to make some fancy moves, but she did not uh, get anything um, past Levier. Uh, so I think that from the whale's perspective, if I had seen a little bit more on how they were able to produce organically, authentically, offense, in, and create offensively, I'd have a little more faith. I think they need to settle into their systems a little bit more and learn how to control the puck and keep possession a little bit more before I can give them that win over the Boston Pride, which is a team that does that extremely well. Um, as you mentioned, Katie Fitzgerald had a great night and was able to really shut down and, and hang on to the puck and not let up too many rebounds. Rossman has done a much better job from the first two preseason games into the first game of the regular season with rebounds, but um, the chances for the Buffalo, uh, yeah, for the Buffalo Buttes, excuse me, did come off of rebounds. If the Pride will continue to be the, the Pride team that is just savage in front of net looking to, to pick up everything, um, <laughs> then that could be a problem. Um, that either means that Rossman is really going to have to be lights out and, and just clinch and clutch and, and, you know, lay down on the puck. Um, that's all, that also means that the defense has to be able to clear the puck or the, the team has to be able to clear the puck. No, I get it. it it's fair. It, it's a really, it's going to be, and you know what? The, it's an important thing to keep in mind. The regular season still matters, but mm-hmm. the only thing that really matters is what happens come the playoffs. Yes. And the Whale, I think, in particular, are a team that can say, you know what? We're going to go through growing, growing mm-hmm. pains. We're going to we're going to take some losses, and we're going to figure it mm-hmm. out. But when the playoffs get here, 
we have the same chance as yes. everybody else. Agreed. Um, and that's and I think what we're seeing early on is that Connecticut has a, maybe a few more weapons than most people gave them credit mm -hmm. for, myself included. Yes, agreed. And they def they definitely have, if nothing else, a great goaltending or uh, looks like great goaltending and great penalty penalty killing and that's a big mm -hmm. deal especially for a team that can get kind of stuck in its own zone and you know chasing the puck a little bit and sometimes you can't help but you know at the end of your shift you're tired you're just trying to get the mm -hmm. puck back you take a penalty and then you know that okay you know we took a penalty it is Boston or it is Buffalo but you know we know we can kill penalties that's that's part of who we are so it's going to be a big storyline, I think, for Connecticut is, like you say, finding that potential because it, it looks like it's there. It's a really hard thing to, to kind of, you know, to figure mm -hmm. out, you know, what a team's potential can be. But the Wales, it's just tons and tons of young players mm -hmm. and a couple players who we know, we know a lot about who they are. Um, and we also have some players like Anya Badaglino, who's, you know, kind of stepping into this new role yeah. that's a little bit different for oh, her, yeah. but um, it's they're going to be, if nothing else, I think a really fun team to follow oh, so. because it's it's a team you get to see grow uh, from game one. Yeah, so, yeah I, I expect we'll see two good games this weekend. I agree with that, and the only other thing I would add is on the Boston side is um, you know historically Boston has been a team that can kind of. Um, I'd say maybe kind of cruise in neutral um, and really rely on the, the, the talent that they have to get them through. Uh, we've seen that against this Connecticut team, again, historically, that they've had a challenge closing out Connecticut. And there are players on the Connecticut yeah. team that remember that. Um, and so that first season, Connecticut goes in and they're undefeated for the first eight or so games. Um, and so this is a stubborn Connecticut team. I think for Boston, again, on paper, they look really good. But I'll say the same thing for them, as I've said for the Riveters. They're going to need to play consistent 60 minutes. And that's not something historically that the Boston franchise has done. So now that's what they're, um, that's where this team needs to be more disciplined. Um, whereas Connecticut, we're thinking more from a... A collective skill and familiarity with Boston it's definitely the mentality um, are they gonna come and show up and be ready to execute the team uh, the, the, the team game plan for 60 minutes every night or at least for long enough to really shut down the other team um, that's gonna be a big question mark for for the Boston pride It'll be interesting because there's a lot of there's been a big change I think in leadership in mm -hmm. you know Boston. There's a new coach, you know. There's a new captain. There's a lot different this season. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of negative trait yeah. stays with the uh, team. Well, we don't have long to wait. Those games will both be on Saturday, November fourth, starting at 7:30 p.m. Um, so it's going to be exciting. We get. NWHL hockey every week this season, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, I, I guess that, that kind of, uh, that's a good place for us to wrap for our first show. Any other things, Mike, that, that our, our, 
adoring fans should uh, <laughs> be on the lookout for uh, come <laughs> week two, any storylines or any stories that you think might come into play. There's definitely something I think worth keeping an eye on with the Riveters is, is their team size, especially at forward. They have a ton of big physical D um, who can also skate, which is, you know, it's no downside really. But um, I mean, the Riveters are tiny at forward. That you know, it's and it's not just because you know Erica Lawler is four foot eleven, and you know you look you look at that lineup, and you know I think Rebecca Morse might be the biggest forward, or you know what it might be it might be Rafter. Um, it's 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 and Rafter, you know she's she uses her height really I think to for her stick handling and you know to have a really long stride, but she's not really a physical player. It's that lineup is really small, and it'll be interesting to see if teams decide to start leaning on them. And the Buttes, say what you will about Buffalo, but they know how to play physical hockey. So I think it'll be really interesting to see if teams kind of clue on to the fact that they can play a physical brand of hockey against the Riveters because that group of forwards is so small. Um, I think that might be something to look forward to this weekend and to see especially because, you know, a big part of Buffalo's physicality for the past few years has been Harrison Brown. And he's the visiting team this time around, which is which is a first for that. It'll be, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, just like I think for the Pride, it's what happens with the chemistry of that defense because they just, they lost so much puck moving, you know, so much like puck skill, like zone exits, you know, when you lose players, you know, with Gigi Marvin and Blake Bolden and, you know, it's it, that's just the tip of the iceberg. They just lost so much. And, you know, Paige Harrington is big and physical and Johnson has a lot of potential. But, you know, Lexi Bender is just like a shutdown D. She's not necessarily known for her ability to to make things happen with the puck. So. You know, there's there's definitely plenty of storylines early on here. We're We're only one game in, but. You know, there's there's plenty of threads to keep to kind of start counting and keep an eye on for all the teams. And so it sounds like, Mike, you will be keeping a close eye out on that Metropolitan Riveters versus Buffalo Buttes game. Yeah, um, probably safe to assume that I'll be more zoned into the Connecticut will at Boston Pride game. I think both will be great. Um, and then we'll get to see the the following Riveters week. play the whale. So they come up to Terry Connors, so that's exciting, which means you have the rematch of the first two Isabel Cup finals. Uh, that's the Buffalo Buttes and the Boston Pride after this weekend. Sounds good to me. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hockey's finally so here. So again, I know, hockey's here, and we're only talking about one league. Let's give ourselves a shameless plug. Mike, where can <laughs> our listeners find you? Um, you can find my work on women's hockey at the Sporting News and at the Ice Garden. Um, if you want to read me covering the NHL, and you can find me over at FanRag Sports and for Rangers coverage at Blue Shirt Banner. Where can people Excellent. find you, Erica? Tell them the nice things. <laughs> All right, so for women's hockey coverage, I will be on the call with Phil Jubileo for all of the Connecticut Whale home 
games. I'll also be doing recaps and write-ups for the Connecticut Whale at nwhl.zone. Uh, also with the Ice Garden, have a few um, more in-depth pieces that I'll be working on for the Ice Garden. Very excited for those. And always on Twitter at elindsay08. All right, Mike, so not too bad for our first show. Yeah, not too bad at all, I think. I think it was a strong start. Yeah, so, well, we thank everyone for listening in, and we will be back with a recap of week two and all the things to come in week three and beyond. Thanks for listening, everybody.